Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, Uniting Narratives. Today, our guest is Josh Rubin. He's a friend from high school. I got to know him much better over the past few years. We traveled together. And on this episode, we talk about different ideas. He's very thoughtful. He's very intelligent, but he does not go to college. So if you think that going to college is the only option after high school, you should listen to this episode because I think it'll be valuable. Josh is great. He asked me some questions I was not prepared for, but he's so thoughtful that that's just how the episode went. And I'm grateful for his care and I'm grateful for the time that he took to spend with us. So enjoy the episode. Please follow the Instagram, unitingnarratives.com. I will post clips where you can reference other episodes. Thank you and enjoy. This is my boy Brady. He passed away. Uh, he goes, he went here. Our good friend. Fuck, dude. Yeah, good kid. When did that good happen? Kid. It happened, um, it happened July 15th. Of yeah. this year? Of this year, 2023, yeah. Fuck, man. It's rough. It was a rough thing for this university, but, and you know, of course, my friends and I. Uh, I mean, my friends met him freshman year, first day. I met him last semester, so like, it was just, I was just getting to know the kid. But I figured I'd throw him up there, tribute for this episode. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. And I think this is, uh, yeah, everything's good. That red light means it's recording, so I might check it here and there. Beautiful. Um, so how are you, man? How's your day? We're just going to talk, and I'll find a place to cut it in. We just talked about a crazy story that's not going to make the cut, which maybe it shouldn't. It probably shouldn't, but... It happens, man. It was gas, yeah. That, but that's absurd. So we talked about violence and how it happens and the repercussions are serious, and we don't think about them as being serious. 100%. And specifically as men, I think a lot of people I know, they can either control it or not. It's a natural thing that men, I feel like they cover a lot of other emotions with anger. Um, in right. a society where to be a man, you don't you know, show emotions and things like that, it's a residue from, I think, past cultures, yeah. past generations. That's been a huge thing. I heard something about the generational trauma of men that had to go to war, right? Like men go to war, fight for the country. There is no really space for those emotions there. It's you have to do your job. You're getting shot at. There's explosives, whatever's going on. That's a hard thing to deal with. And you're also, to your point, you're going to war in those vital brain-developing years of your life. That's what uh, that professor explain to me that woman Kathleen that like that's why she's so against young men going to war because it totally messes up their entire life uh, neurologically speaking like shit big time right and I know nothing about neurology mm. how the um, I, I am can, like I want to learn a lot about how much the, the brain develops from the ages of 20 to 25 or 26, 27 when it gets fully developed. Still, like, it's still fairly plastic. You know? Okay. It's, it's plastic your whole life, but specifically those years, it's going to be very, very plastic. Which, you're you're what, able to change things, okay. learn new skills. If you're going to learn a language or learn, pick up an instrument, that's the time to do it. So don't you think it's a... That seems like a personality thing, having like brain plasticity. Like you, know. you can 100% work on it. You know, just because you're 26 doesn't mean like the window is closed. Right, right. Yeah. I think with dedication and consistency, anything's possible. It's just like as a young individual, as people, you know, I myself am 20. I imagine you're somewhat around there. Tw- Dude, 21 in a month, kid. That's wild. Yeah. Um, being of this age, it's it's important to realize like we can do massive things in terms of 
for me, it was putting down weed, right? Like, mm-hmm. weed has been a massive part of um, my life since a, a very, fairly young age. I used it, I was able to change perspectives, and I thought it, it very helped me. Um, and I think it did for a while. But there's a sp- specific time where it's time to change a habit because if you're always using something to change your perspective, it's no longer changing your perspective. Right. And it's just normal. That's right? just the norm. And right. then you're not getting the benefit out of it. So as a 20-year-old, right, I would like to put down that substance that I think I think it has helped me. I think it has helped me get away from some conformity things. Like, I was scared to go to a different high school or to not go to college because I didn't know what was going next. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to come. All I saw was my two sisters in front of me. They both went to college. Most people around me were preparing for college. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it looked like after that. Right. Um, so being able to have a substance where it was like, all right, well, this is something that isn't majorly used in that culture. And to be able to go outside of it and be like, okay, this is interesting to be able to experience it from this perspective. Yeah. It helped. Yeah, I feel like it, it eased the pain of like getting away from, all right, well, everybody's like this and I'm a little different. All right. I'm comfortable with being different because I have this little tool to be able to ease my mind. At a certain point, and for certain individuals, it's not like that. For me, for some reason, it helped. At a certain point, it was, all right, well, I'm using this thing to ease my mind so often that now it's just not the tool it was before. Right. And to be able to not have that anymore was the benefit. That was the perspective change. Now to be sober. Mm-hmm. And to be sober, it was, you know, I got back time management skills that I thought were gone. I feel like my memory is so much better. Dreams, man. Dreams You've are told gnarly, me about this, dude. Yeah. Dreams are beautiful. I have right. dreams every single night. Mm. Every single night, dude, I go on a, It's like I never, never sleep because I'm going on adventures all day long. I'll get That's back. insane. Do you feel like you can control your actions in a dream? Like a... Nah. Not, as a okay. kid, I, I had lucid dreams all the time. Really? Like, what oh, the yeah. hell? I just, like, for some reason, I knew I was in a dream. And it wasn't like I could, like, control and be like, oh, wall there, and I can yeah, fly. Yeah. It was just like I understood I was in a dream. Okay. I understood this wasn't reality, and I understood that the laws of physics didn't apply. That's insane. It was what beautiful. the hell? Yeah, like, you know, random stuff as a kid. You know, SpongeBob would pop up, be like, what's up, man? Like, yeah. it was wild, dude. Um, these days, it's more like I'm thrown in a situation, and it is real. It is real. I'm there. What decisions I make in a dream as if, like, you know, I could die. I'm not making, it's not like, oh, I'm in dream world. And it's oh all fun, God, happy bro. go. It's like, you know, I'm alive. This is just like a regular day. You know, dreams are crazy. You have goddamn amnesia, right? And you're saying when you were smoking weed, you weren't having those dreams. I would wake up with nothing, dude. I wouldn't remember nothing. What? Maybe like a tiny piece of a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's something about cannabis that it, it affects REM sleep. I think Huberman, I think, does he talk about that? I think he does. Yeah, he, he Matthew, talks about REM Matthew sleep. Walker is um he's he's the sleep guy in my opinion. Oh my god. I think he has a podcast with Huberman. Uh, he has one with Rogan. He has one Okay. I imagine with plenty of I need other to wa- I need to watch that. I saw maybe it was him who said that when we move our clocks forward one hour, you see an increase, a percentage increase in uh, I'm not sure what the percentage is, it was like thirty percent or twenty five percent increase in cancer in that time period just with one hour less of sleep because it throws off your sleep schedule Mm. now like i don't know i'm sure there's other factors like hopefully there are way more way more factors because that's that's not good to hear sleep is huge because i you know sometimes like even today i woke up at nine i usually wake up at 6 30. i went to bed at like 12 31 woke up at nine usually go to bed at 6 30 so that's like a few hours 
off my usual routine. And even that, he said, even deviating, um, yeah, deviating from your routine, even like a few hours, can totally mess you up. I think it depends on the amount of sleep you get. If you get eight hours of sleep, there's something specific about, you know, if you want to get in the nitty-gritty growth hormone. So yeah, yeah. having like specific bedtimes and wake times, specifically bedtime, growth hormone gets released in the first 60 to 90 minutes of your sleep cycle. Oh, wow. So if you go to bed at the same time every single night, you will maximize or optimize your growth hormone. If you change your your bedtimes from night to night or you have a consistent bedtime, say it's, yeah. for me, it's 8.30-ish. I'll go to bed. That's insane. 8.30 um, p.m.? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, I'm closing this window because the... All good. All good, baby. What the fuck? Yeah, and I'll get up. Lately, I've been loving getting up at, you know, 4, 8.30 p.m. 8.30 p.m. I go to bed. How, yeah. are you do- how are you doing that? Like, I, well, you live at home, right? Okay, so another mm-hmm. thing about Josh, I haven't even introduced you because we just started talking. This is my friend Josh. He's one of my good friends, and he doesn't go to college. So he lives at home, and, I mean, that has to play a huge role in being able to go to bed at that time. Yeah, right. I mean, there's not, like, a culture around me, like, a, a yeah. massive nightlife thing. Right. Or, like, something, roommates keeping you up. Something about, like, my high school time is, you know, I think I lived enough, like, nightlife stuff to okay. be able to not feel like I'm missing out. I feel like a lot of people have a fear of missing out. They got the FOMO. Yeah. They're like, yo, all my friends are partying. Yeah, I have it. And I think it's, it's, it's nice to experience that and experience what the partying is. For me... You know, I experienced it. I had a blast. It was a great time. I met a lot of good friends. Um, but there came a certain point where I was like, there's more to life mm-hmm. than just, like, partying. Right. There's more out here, man. It's a beautiful yeah. life, you know. There's so much to explore. And especially when it comes to, like, productivity, creating something. For me, it's, like, it's very hard to create something when you're basically forgetting shit all the time. Right. Like alcohol, cannabis, whatever other substances people choose to indulge. It messes up the work during the day, at least for me. And I want to talk a little bit more about cannabis because it's played a significant factor in my life as well. And I had to put it down as well, right? Because I I had these specific goals. And as far as goals go, Jordan Peterson explained the positive emotion system in terms of you have a goal. And when you make progress towards that goal, you get a dopamine release. And that's, that's a really important dynamic that happens, right? Like a little progress, a little dopamine. And it's really important, of course, to have goals. But if you're smoking weed throughout that process, which dopamine release are you going to want more? Smoking weed, which is a, probably like a 10 times dopamine re- release than that little step forward you take in that project, or the step forward in your project, you're going to want to resort to that huge dopamine release just because like instinctually that's just what your body wants it's a good question right? it's, a, it's a faster mean to an end right mm. it's really easy to load a bong and then take yeah. it Re- takes, takes, right, takes right. no time at all no time. to make progress <laughs> no on a project or to finish a book or mm. to even read a chapter of a book it's going to take some time and dopamine's a very fascinating subject fascinating. It's, I think the under, understanding dopamine is one of the key things that an individual can do to help them on their journey in life yeah. you know realizing that there's a there's a pleasure pain balance going on here right right and what happens yeah. is if we push on the pleasure balance but bam this side right i'm pushing right here and that is you know smoking a cigarette that's taking a bong hit that's uh-huh. whatever it is sex is also that you know mm-hmm. it's gonna somehow cause pain down the road 
all right? Because it's yeah. the craving with those things, with all three of those things. After you indulge in a cigarette, after you smoke a, a bong, after you have sex, there's going to be a period after that where you're missing that, and that's right. where the pain comes in. I don't know if you've ever experienced, I imagine you have, when you're with someone and you have a fantastic time, and then they end up leaving, they go somewhere else, right? And it's not like they're gone forever. You know, yep, maybe uh, they live in the town over, maybe they live in a building right over mm-hmm. there, but you're not around them and you yearn for them. And that feeling, that's the pain of the dopamine, right? So that's the dip in the dopamine. Dopamine's like a wave pool. Yeah. Um, it goes up and down. <clears throat> Usually you have around a steady rate, and this is going to be your average level of dopamine. What happens when you indulge in any activity that raises your dopamine is it spikes it. Yep. You know, some things like a cold plunge is good because it's a slow release and throughout the day release, that's right. it goes up and up and there's, you know, there's studies where cocaine addicts can actually quit cocaine. I've seen cold this. plunges. Yep. Wild. Um, wild. Because the dopamine release, it's not immediate, right? So it's extended. But yeah. it has like a similar amount. It's like slow re- it's release dopamine. Dude. Crazy. It's beautiful. Dr. Anna Lemke, she has a book called Dopamine Nation. He okay. And references it a lot. Oh, awesome. It's it's basically her account. She's yep. a psychologist. <clears throat> she works with people with gnarly addictions, man. Obviously, everyone has addictions. This is kind of her point. The people with the gnarliest addictions, you can learn a lot from them because they over-exaggerate kind of what everyone does on maybe even a micro scale. So she works with people that have you know, sexual addictions that affect their career. It affects their family life. They can't stop thinking about whatever it is, and it affects everything in their life. It destroys their life. Someone like, you know, myself, I think I'm semi-addicted to food. You know, there's some part of me where I feel like, I guess the word is binging. And I'm an individual that I care a lot about, you know, the food that goes into my body. And I might even put... I put a lot of emphasis on quality and quantity. Like, I grew up as a kid that was fairly I wouldn't say fat I was overweight for sure I was kind of fat (laughs) I was a little bit fat for sure and I was self-conscious about it and that was something that was like one of my problems of that era where I was like this is what I'm focusing on I think everyone will always have a problem at a specific moment Mm -hmm. and at that time it was oh I'm fat man right and that created kind of like a lifelong pursuit of wanting to feel good in my own body wanting to I never want my body or my physical health to not allow me to do something. If I want to go run a marathon, dude, I want to be able to do that. I don't want my body to hold me back. If I want to go skydiving, I don't want to be too fat to be able to fucking jump out of a plane, man. I want to to be able to do everything that I want to do. I'm not going to let my body hold me back. Um, So that plays into the food and then putting an emphasis on the food. I have, you know, I've counted calories now for... It's been a couple months straight, and that's specifically just to achieve goals. At first, it was I wanted to gain muscle. So I'm going to be in a surplus. I'm going to need a specific amount of protein so I can be in the optimal range. You know, mm-hmm. my lifts are going to do the best work they can because food is very important when it comes right. to achieving physical goals. Right. I would say it's like 70% of the whole shebang. The whole shebang. You know, someone can lose a lot of weight just by controlling what they eat. Right. You know, if you eat the same amount, you just exercise a shit ton. It could do nothing, mm-hmm. right? It could mm-hmm. do absolutely nothing if you're eating a fucking bag of Oreo or a box of Oreos or whatever it is. You know? It's also a good chance you're not executing your workouts to the best degree that you can, yeah, or you don't feel well, or right? Whatever right. It is. Right. Processed food is that's another. That's it. so. In this journey of trying to learn what makes me feel good and and how to create a body that I'm proud of and I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy to be in. 
the whole kind of food industry is I've I've dug into it a bit and right. it's pretty disturbing what's going on in the United States in terms of the quality of food that average Americans are just putting into their mouths. Um, yeah. I think a fair amount of research is important. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, the obesity rates are off the charts compared to other countries. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. just that's just a it's a product of the problem. The problem is metabolic disease. Metabolic disease is a dysfunction in your digestive system. You can't digest things correctly. If your body can't uptake nutrients with efficiency in the correct way, even if you're skinny, man, you can have fat that's being packed around your vital organs. It's called, specifically for the liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. It's Mm. from an excess of added sugars in our diet. And dude, this is a disease that only affected alcoholics about 50 years ago. Whenever like the main sugar um, rush came in, when big industry was like, this is an access, we can get sugar very cheaply and we're gonna infuse into all products because it's very addictive. Right. You put sugar in a soda and now that thing, a little sugar, a little caffeine, that thing's- People addictive. buying 30 packs every It's week. very addictive, oh man. And so sugar, it's gnarly, man. It, it gets digested exactly like alcohol. It goes straight to your bloodstream. It um, spikes your, your blood sugar levels, which then spikes your insulin. And when your blood sugar levels are spiked, this is why some people avoid carbohydrates when they're trying to lose weight. That's when your body's like, okay, I got plenty of food in me. If, I, if my blood sugar is high, that means I have plenty of food, I should be fine, so I'm gonna put, put a little extra away. Because our bodies, are they're very old in nature, right? Ancient, we were, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the evolution process, man. We come, we come from a time where we didn't have abundance, man. We come from a time where there's scarcity. We're, we're living in one of the very few, I mean, the only time where <clears throat> abundance is, food is available everywhere all the time. It's highly every abundant, day. dude. It's, it's highly everywhere. abundant. We got a surplus of food everywhere. Yeah, I think that in history is like never the case, except for a few s- very small percentage of families. And talk about dopamine, man. Dopamine right. plays into this exactly, because food, right. food will give you dopamine. Well, and then <clears throat> you mentioned, sorry, <clears throat> you mentioned that you're on this journey to figure out what made you feel good. And it's interesting that you kind of started with cannabis, right? Because that made you feel good. But can you say a little more about the dopamine release? Like, you get the dopamine spike. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> you mentioned that there was this level of dopamine that's like our normal, right? Yeah. And you get the spike. And then instead of returning to normal, you go below the baseline, right? Correct, yeah. So right. that, that's, what, that's what causes the pain. Okay, so that's what... When, okay. when you're not at your regular state of dopamine you feel like you're missing something. Mm. That's the craving for another cookie. That's a craving yeah. for another cigarette. That's the yearning for your partner. That's the, oh, I just did some cocaine. I want more cocaine. That's exactly okay. what that is. Okay. It's And specifically, the higher the spike is, the lower below your baseline you're oh, going to drop. Which makes sense. Like this all, it's all, a, it's a rational system. Yeah. Our and, bodies are And then in the time of scarcity, this is exactly what dopamine was, was created for. You know, we need to find food. We need to go find a partner to continue our genes. Mm-hmm. These are all things that were very necessary for humans living in that in that era. Right. And so now we need to we need to reverse what's going on here. We need to deconstruct. All right, what's going on in our brains, and how do we you know fit it better to the situation we're in right now? Because it don't fit great. We're eating ourselves to death in in a world where people are lacking meaning more than ever. We're turning to things like sex or drugs or 
whatever pick your you know pick your right. choice right um dr holland that professor that i've been telling you about she said that we have ancient minds trying to live in a modern world and it's killing us and that's exactly what you that's said a great, that's a great quote right, right there, that we're right? that we're we're trying to live in this perfect world that we think is so good that we have everything we want but it's actually not what's good for us it's not what we should want and yeah it's interesting that other cultures in the past like we we look back at other cultures and we're like damn that must have sucked must have been terrible they didn't have phones they didn't have easy communication i think communication is such a dope thing like i I love how i can text my grandma call my grandma right that's really cool um but everything that comes with that it's like dude is it worth it Right, it's is heavy. that instant communication worth it? Big time heavy. Right. I guess I look at it sometimes a little opposite, and this might just be, you know, the way I think. Well, of course, it's the way I think, right? <laughs> I look back Hopefully. almost like in a reminiscent way. I look back, and sometimes I was like, man, I fucking wish I grew up, right, in you know, fill in the blank time when we didn't have this because now I have this problem, and that is kind of the exact opposite of like. We should be thankful for the time we live in. Hundred percent. These days, um, you know, John D. Rockefeller, you know, the richest person to basically, if you count inflation, if you do the math to make the wealth that he built equal to the wealth of people these days, he had something like almost a trillion dollars in wealth that he built up during his life. Yeah, it's wild, and he didn't have some of the simple things that we had, like right. someone that isn't a very rich well-off individual has today the phones um you know access to i guess he had probably had access to food i imagine right yeah yeah. there's a lot he had what he wanted probably there's a lot of food there's a lot of things that the internet there's a lot of things he had he even if he spent all of his money he could not obtain right no for sure and but he didn't it didn't matter to him like he still accomplished well he had no fucking clue (laughs) he had no clue what he was missing as far as he thought he probably thought his technology was absurd, was insane. Mm-hmm. Like what they could do was, I don't know anything about that era. Like what was it? It was it late eighteen hundreds or was it? Beats me, man. I don't even know. The industrial era. And so it must have been like nineteen forties, thirties. Possibly a little earlier than that. Okay. I was listening to a podcast, Modern Wisdom, Chris from okay. Modern Wisdom, and he had the author of Psychology of Money, which is a book I've heard a lot about but I never read. And they're they're comparing that. They're comparing that, you know, the richest person from whatever century that, you know, John D. Rockefeller the first was from, he didn't even have access to the things that we have and we take for granted. Right. And that's oh the richest gosh. fucking person from that area yeah. didn't have access. So yeah. just think about in fifty years. You know, I, I spend a lot of time with my grandmother. Beautiful. It's absolutely that's amazing. beautiful. Um amazing. in these past couple of years, you know, since I've had a little more time from leaving high school and I can pave my own way and create a life where I can put these people that I love, make time for them and help them out and be there for them. Dude, she's feeling it, right? In terms of this new technology, something that I can do very quickly, whether it's like type in a thing on the TV or figure out what's going on with this email she got or whatever it is. And she's pretty tech savvy for her age. She's 85. She's on Facebook a bunch. She's a writer. She's written five books. Like, she's a smart cookie, man. That's so fire. She's, ha- she's, she's written, very smart. Oh, my smart. God, she's written five books? Yeah. I believe she's working on her fifth right now. That's that's amazing. It's beautiful. I oh, love dude. That. I love it. L- little tangent, but, like, to read a, a memoir that your grandmother written about her... Dude, wild, man. Wow. To learn about her that's life sick. like that. Yeah. And then have conversa- conversations about... Oh, my God. It was, it was beautiful. 
absolutely wow. beautiful experience. But that's, yeah, that's, you're blessed, man. That's a great thing you have. Yeah, with her. but um, to be able to help her out like that, it's like my work is multiplied in terms of the amount of value that she gets from it. Right. And that's just because of you know she was born in I believe 1932, something around there. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So like, yeah. fuck. She was. I imagine I got the date wrong because she was seven when World War Two ended. So 1945, okay, so she was seven. So that's 1938, yeah. just about. And that's, dude, talk about like, wow, man. Mm-hmm. You were seven years old when the war I learned about in school that was a very long that's time crazy. ago. Like, oh my damn. Gosh. Like, imagine how that affected her childhood. Yeah. Imagine how that affected the way she was raised. Imagine that how that affected the curriculum in school. Imagine how that affected her parents, their own perspectives in raising children. This yeah. is going on yeah. in the world. This is wild. So I'm going to teach my kid this. Right. And she also grew up through the Cold War, like as an adult, which was yeah. insane. Yeah, she had kids was, around Vietnam, right. you know, all this shit, man. Oh, my God. Heavy. Yeah, um, that's absurd. That's, my buddy, or my roommate, Joe, his, I think it's his great-grandmother, who's still with us, she, she was, like, she fled. She was in Europe during World War II. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. She has some crazy stories, I'm sure. Um, but I want to ask a few more questions about yourself. Like, anyone watching this can clearly tell that you're someone who's serious about your education and your life, but you don't go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I want to hear a little bit about like what you think about that because there, there are some people who will look at someone who doesn't go to college and immediately judge them right immediately put them in a box how do you avoid that and are you considering going to school in the future and where do you what's your outlook on higher education I think it's really important I think it's more of what you can get out of it I think usually when I talk to people it's not like oh like what college did you go to I feel like I put off an impression Although I don't put it as a very high priority for, like, I don't care if, like, someone perceives me as something because the way they look at me or whatever, when I talk and I throw positive energy out there, people always, they understand where I'm coming from. It's about intentions with me. Hmm. I do, I want it more for myself. Um, I guess I don't necessarily care if people think that I'm educated, um, but I want to be educated. I want to have a, a very nice vocabulary so I can speak and let my thoughts get out there and have people make sure they know exactly what I'm talking about. If right. I have a, a bunch of different words I can use for the same word, then I can say a bunch of different things and people can understand. Right. You know, it also, it sounds better, man. Right, right. Like someone that has a, a beautiful vocabulary, they can make things just sound wonderful. Sure. Like it's yeah. beautiful. Mark Twain has this quote that I think is, it's, I heard this the other day, I thought it was awesome. Don't let school get in the way of your education. <laughs> a lot of people Fire. learn differently, man. Fire. Uh, there's kinesthetic yeah. learners, there's visual learners, and there's auditory learners. Sometimes colleges don't fit the bill for an individual. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's completely okay. And I feel like I realized at a younger age it didn't fit for me. You know, yeah. I wasn't going to waste time in something. Waste. I would have had to, to pay every single cent that right. I would. I would have to take out a loan for college. I would have to pay that down the road. Um, I'm not too sure. I didn't even go as far as to look into what it would have cost for me. Yeah. But for my sisters, you know, um, my elder sister, she racked up around 100000 from UNH. And then I got two older sisters. 
the one that's younger than that. She racked up about 70. And that's a lot, man. That's a lot. And yes, I could have gone to community college. The reason I didn't do that was because I couldn't pick a path, man. Mm -hmm. There wasn't one specific thing where I was like, dude, that's what I want to do. That is worth spending this amount of time doing this exact thing. Yes. So you're saying that there might be a point in time where you're like, oh, I actually really want to do this and I need hours in the classroom to do it. Yeah, I think... And that's just about you being open. And you're also recognizing that, I mean, when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, it's really hard to get into the classroom and be like, all right, this is a really important class. Yeah. What's the best I can do right now? What's the best I can get out of this class? Like, it doesn't really happen. I mean, it, I try to do my best now because yeah. I realized how important it is. Um, but I'd say at least half the classroom is not thinking like that, at least. Um, my pro- political philosophy professor was talking about taking naps through class and he was like it's the most expensive nap you've ever taken because it's like a hundred dollars like each class is money right? i learned my lesson in uh biology freshman year yeah i i was sleeping through that whole thing i wasn't paying for high school's different though man. i'm just saying like i realized right then and there like i wouldn't pay for this class mm. like so like 100%. i gotta make sure that 100%. i'm into it so my right. problem with high school i guess to like underline a sp- like a specific specific issue I had. No, you're good. It's I didn't see how it applied to real life. Right. I didn't see how whatever class I was doing was gonna advance my, my career, was gonna advance me yeah. as a person. And that was an issue with me. I wanted something that was directly applicable to what I was gonna do in life. And I think you know, when you're getting a general education, which is what high school is, you learn about a bunch of different things and you mm-hmm. find something you enjoy. I understand that. And it's it's hard to make a curriculum. Like, I'm not shitting on nobody that... Right, right, yeah. I understand it's hard. Um, but but they, they don't have PhDs. Who does Like, the high school teachers. They haven't spent... I mean, the, the college professors, um, most of them, not all of them, most of them went and gotten their... Well, it's hard to say, not all of them... Maybe not even most of them, but a lot of my professors, because mm-hmm. I'm a philosophy major, they have PhDs. So they went to school for like many more years, at least another two or three or four or five, at least actually, no, at least another four. So like, or six or seven, right. Or six or seven. <laughs> Some of them are at school for I so long. I feel like for me, it's more about like, enthusiasm. Okay. Yeah, if you okay. can be enthusiastic about what you're doing, mm. a lot of people, Open-minded the common caring, core, yeah. again, I'm not shitting on someone that created the common core, but like, that's what these teachers are, are basing their classes off of. Yeah. They're, they're teaching right. specific no, the things, right? Good. With something that was created nationwide, every school in America uses right. it. And it's hard to do that, man. Like you need an individual approach as individuals as sure. you can get. Sure. And that takes a lot more resources. We need to start yeah. you know, providing for our teachers more, man. Teachers, they get sure. they get the shit out of the stick on that one. They do. It's it's tough. And like yes. I'm not yeah. surprised a lot of them like Teachers are goaded for doing it. For being high school teachers, like that's a tough game. Yeah, it is tough. And it's neat it's necessary. It sucks because a lot of the times I feel like they just the classroom experience for them it just beats their enthusiasm right the fuck out the door mm-hmm. you know kids not caring all these things i feel like some take it personally some take it personally that you know i didn't enjoy their class or i am showing up high to class whatever it was when i right, was going right. to high school and i think that played a part in our relationship and instead of them like sitting me down and being like being real be like yo i can tell you're not digging this man like what can i do to help you mm-hmm. Instead, they kind of just, like, wrote me off. You know? right. I think 
that wasn't every teacher. I had some yeah. amazing people there that really cared for me, and that was beautiful. But obviously, like, there's a balance. You know, there's there's some that do that, and there's some that don't. Right. Um, and I feel like that put me in some kind of a mindset a little bit. About know? school in general. A little bit, right? yeah. Yep. And I already had my thoughts on it. It was kind of, like, set and tuned. You know, the people that helped me, they weren't going to, like, change you know the makeup that my mind was made of mm-hmm. you know it helped me feel a little bit more comfortable in their presence and like not be like damn i gotta go to this class and i'm probably gonna get yelled at or i'll go to the right. principal or whatever it was yeah. right um troublemaker kid i mean like no but like it, it was just a byproduct of your <clears throat> attitude towards school and, exactly. and there was no i mean it didn't seem like you really had that mentor that was like because you're a special dude you have an open mind maybe you I guess I don't really, I haven't known you since, or I just got to know you over the past few years, over the past year or so, two years. So, um, would you say that, I mean, when you're a kid, you only have so much of an open mind. So that must have played a part. In- I would say I was open-minded in specific fields when it came to life. I okay. wasn't open-minded to the doors that school would open for me. I got you. I had a specific okay. route where I was very interested in the cannabis industry. I loved growing weed. I started growing weed fairly young. Mm-hmm. Um and that it sparked that was the thing I was enthusi- enthusiastic about man right, and then I, I loved growing school I didn't know how to open up to my teachers and be like I want to grow weed like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not something I think they would have been like word man like no, they that's super like, dope they would have been like a mandatory reporter nah, like, they, would, they just would have been like ah, that's kind of a tough <laughs> topic for me to talk about right now with yeah. you man and like well, I understand you're 16 whatever I understand yeah. yeah it's completely okay 100% um, so I just like I wasn't in like the whole like I'm going to do great in school and then it'll help me, you know, I'll get a good SAT score and then I'll go to this and mm-hmm. I'll go to that. Yeah. Um, I was more just like, I'm getting through this because like, not necessarily I wanted to, but my mom wanted me to graduate. Of and, course. You know, she, my mother was an exceptional mom. She still is. I have a great relationship with her to this day. I think yeah, it got, man. it definitely, it evolved, you know, as you get older, your relationship with your parents evolve a lot, right. which is, man, I dig it, man. I yeah. dig having like, an adult relationship with my parents. They know? gain respect for you as you become yeah. an adult and, and you become more on the same level versus yeah. like your mom and you're down here. And right? you can understand like what they went through fucking raising right. you, man. Like right. Right. I right. only have it one way and I think it's really sad when people take the perspective of like my parents are always up here and I'm always down here no matter how old I am, no matter how much I, maybe they don't try to understand where they come from. I think that's somewhat the problem. Yeah. Um, your parents go through a lot and they're going through things when they're raising you you know like my mother had she was going through shit when she was when i was young you know and she was trying her best to make sure i had everything i needed mm-hmm. you know even sometimes maybe it was at the detriment of what she needed right and that's dude that's like that's Special. beautiful right there and when you're young you don't look at like oh my mom's going through this hard time it's I always there yeah it's always there just like right. the people that don't appreciate what, what we have today like a lot of times like my phone that I left in the car or maybe it's over there or something I don't enjoy that thing, even though it's like it's a goddamn supercomputer it's in my su- pocket. Yeah, dude. it's insane. Because of like there is negative effects from it, and like I imagine, you know, maybe we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but that's something where I'm like, because the negative effects, I don't really enjoy the positive effects that much because the that's negative right. effects come very quickly. Communication is yeah. beautiful, right? But it, it sucks, you man. Right. It's like, are the positive effects positive? And the more you look into them, you might find that they're not. Like scrolling on Instagram feels like awesome. Yeah. Seems so positive. See, that's one of the negatives sucks. for sure. Negative. Communication's great. Being able to call the grams is great. And business. I mean, it's mm. such a great business oh tool. It's necess- It's a necessary... I use it every day for business. Mm. Every single day. Yeah. I um, 
check the core connection Instagram. I try to help content with that. Not every day. Um, shout out Lisa Hodge. She runs the Instagram so well and, um, it's gotten so much better. Follow the core connection Instagram. Shout out. Oh yeah. Shout um, out, baby. but I'm checking the podcast Instagram and I'm posting content there. I'm going to start That's posting good. more. It's great like, to start a huge, community, bro. right? It's, it's like in terms of a community building certainly uh, yeah. tool it's certainly. it's beautiful you get so much outreach yep. it's amazing <clears throat> but that's one of the things that we take for granted just like we take for granted our mothers when we're young right right, right. like right. she was always there she was always giving me things i didn't know anything else mm-hmm. and being able to grow up and be like oh shit man like some of my close friends didn't even have that some of my close friends didn't have that kind of mother figure in their lives they weren't able to have that that beautiful relationship that you know she bestowed upon me right that was that's amazing it's great man and like especially these days i feel like a lot of problems occur when you know kids aren't raised to a certain degree it's fucking hard to parent i don't have a child right i can't really talk on like yeah it's hard to criticize parents when we're not parents i'm like i mean i guess a little no i would no i I mean a little bit i think that parents i think parents in America often like it's hard to say this because I feel like an asshole saying it but I think parents do a bad job off, all the time but it's because yeah. they do bro they no, do. there's parents they that do a bad job and there's parents that do a good job there's there's right. a balance yeah, 100% yeah. Yeah, we can't I just think like true. I think a little research is like cool as fuck to be able to do on like how to raise a kid because oh, yeah. I think there's like objective things in terms of like how to make a kid um, you know there's the they're anxious avoidant type there's like Mm -hmm. these are all like types of traits that they like young kids will have yeah right and so there's anxious avoidant there's avoidant there there's a bunch of different certain ways categories right okay yeah and so this is what happens this is like the nurturing style of the child so like when a mother raises their child the the attention they give them will then create this child to have a specific category of this style okay right and this will translate from relationship to relationship throughout their life so I'm trying to think of the, there's like one that's like good and it's not. There's like one, it identifies one relationship. There's four categories. It was okay, a study so, okay. that I've heard basically. No, no, no sure, so, sure. Whatever. whatever. There's, there's a good one, right? When you have right. a, a very nice relationship with your parents and they tend to you when you, when you cry, mm-hmm. right? And the mother comes and she's like, where did I got you? Mm-hmm. And then she leaves and you cry and she comes back and I got you. And if the mother sometimes doesn't come back, it causes another variation of that. And so if you have that quality relationship when you're growing up with your mother, then you then you don't take negative effects from your childhood to your next relationship, say, with a partner. So interesting. that's just as hard. Yeah, that's a Freudian idea for sure. So talking about like then trying to establish a relationship with a partner down the road that's also hard, man. Like establishing a relationship with a woman or a man, whatever you know, persuasion someone might yeah. be, that is a hard thing. Especially if you haven't had a good relationship with yeah. your parent figures. Yeah. Well, I mean, you noticed or you noted that you're more grateful now, right? Looking 100%. back, and I think I'm more grateful now too for my relationships with my family because this summer, and you know this, my grandfather passed away, and he and like I, it sucks because. I'm only so grateful for him now, you know? Yeah. And I was grateful for him when I, when I was growing up, but as much as a kid could be, because I took him for granted, because yeah. I took these things for granted. What was a moment in your life, um, or maybe it was multiple things, where you were able to say, well, I should be more grateful for my mom or whatever other relationships? 
That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it was really looking at other people that didn't have that. I think that's when it's like, as a child, it's hard to get into the nuances of like family relationships. But as I get older and maybe I experience an outburst that a friend had with his mother or with his father, mm. knowing that that relationship, it's not able to endure some kind of stressful situation. It makes me so thankful that the relationship I have with my family, it's so, you know, so far it's right, gone through every right. single hard situation I've ever had right. to come. And, you know, we've been able to speak to each other with love and with trust and not out of frustration, obviously sometimes. Like sure, sure. But in general, I think... I just fucked it up, hold on. Are we good? Are we back? Yeah, we're back. We're good. I just put it to the there Keep talking, so I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, no, no sorry is necessary. In general, it's been beautiful. And I think observing outside um, forces, that's like a, a very interesting way to be able to appreciate what you're doing. Okay, right, right. You have friends that, like you'd have friends that didn't have that relationship. Um, I think that, yeah, I think as we grow, like as a major sign of maturity is being grateful for the special things in your life. Um, yeah. I'm happy that you have a good relationship with your mom. Like that's so great. am I, man. It's yeah. pretty, it's and pretty I'm happy awesome. that it's grown. For me, my relationship with my mom has grown so much over the past probably eight months because I work with her in business. So you know this. I work with my mom. She owns the Core Connection. And like you can imagine working with – I have this conversation with people all the time because um, I tell them I work with my mom. And then they imagine what it would be like to work with their mom. <laughs> I was at Bible study a few weeks ago and – one of the girls, Gabby, said that uh, she's like, here's a tip for everyone. Don't work with your mom or don't don't work with family. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm so committed. I'm already all the way in. There's um, definitely a, there's a part of that where I think it rings somewhat true. No, it totally working rings true. Friends, working, Dude, there were times, bro, it's a tough thing, man. there have been times I totally just fixed my audio, by the way. It was like a little lower than I would have liked. I'm so happy now. <laughs> it looks perfect. OK, happy, so like, man. bro. The, the, she's totally right there have been times when my mom and I have just gotten we're totally lost at each other but because I lost it at her I was able to be like dude why am I getting upset why am I getting mad like I'm getting genuinely mad and then in my personal friend with my friends mm -hmm. I noticed that even in disagreement I really wouldn't get mad like when I was a kid this was a ma major problem for me my anger was a serious problem I think um, and I was like dude, I'm embarrassing myself in public when I get mad. Like this is, I'm a, being a loser. And what I started to do is really focus on how like in public, in, in the classroom, in my dorm room, right? Whatever happens when I'm out, whatever happens to just remain calm. Like th that's really important. So I did that and I've done that in my personal relationships. But some, you know, when I get in the car with my parents, it's just like, it's still hard. But I love that because now I'm recognizing that I still have room to grow. And that if I can stay calm with my parents, because like you have this, you care about what they say more than anyone. At least that's what it is for me. Mm -hmm. So if you really care about what someone says and they're disagreeing with you a little bit, it's going to push you a little more. There's some truth there, man. Right. I think everyone feels that a little bit. Yeah. And although like I have a great relationship with my mom, there's definitely, for some reason, I'm a, 
I'm very skeptical of a lot of things she says for some reason, right? Mm. Whether they're true, whether they're not true, for some reason, I'm always like, hmm, is that right? Is that, like, actually a thing? Or, like, I got to think about this a little bit. Yeah. And I've realized with her, it's the same exact with her mother, man. She'll she'll talk to her mom and, like, she'll roll her eyes or whatever. She loves her, right? They have right, a, right. They, they oh, developed their relationship crazy. throughout the years as well. But, like, she can understand maybe why I do that because she does that to her mom, mm-hmm. right? And then... I don't know, like, what forces are at play there, but there's something there for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. You know? Ske- the skepticism, I feel that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it can be tough, emotions. and you can imagine it can be tough in a business environment, but we're, I think we're doing good things, and, like, um, she's starting to trust me more, but it did start with me having to produce, and um, at times I felt like there was more pressure, right, because I was like, she doesn't want me to succeed, but it's actually the opposite. She wants me to succeed the most at the company, so in a weird way like she, she'd be making it the hardest but now I'm I've gotten past these points where like I couldn't get anything done mm-hmm. and now I'm like okay I want to work on this project she's like word I'm like okay <laughs> let's go oh, I yeah, can just man. I can do it but now I gotta do it right so um, you gotta show your competence and right. that's that's with like business in general right. you know, sure. in, a, in a lot of cases it's it's our livelihood it's at, at play really you know when it comes to like can we provide for ourselves and, f- and for our loved ones and I think it's sad that a lot a lot of times these days people sacrifice their meeting for a paycheck you know people will want to go right. a specific avenue and because sometimes it's outside forces sometimes it's the harshest critic getting to us and that's ourselves <laughs> a lot of the times our inner thoughts are like hey man like Take the easier route. Like, going over here is a risk. Yeah, maybe you want to be the best, you know, pianist in the world or whatever, but, like, how are you going to make a paycheck? How are you going to get an apartment? How are you going to do this? But there's one key thing that people need to realize is when you're up against someone that's that's working the same thing as you, but it's not work for them. It's play. You will lose 10 out of 10 times. Lose every time. Every single time they step up and they're like, all right, I'm going to do this. They're having fun. If you step up and you're like, all right, I'm going to bang some workout, but you're grinding, you're sweating, you're like, dude, I don't want to be here. You're thinking about playing tennis later, whatever it is. Oh, my gosh. You're not going to stand a chance, man. No. You know, they're going to be you're going to be doing that shit all night long, and they're going to be psyched, and they're going to go to bed, and they wake up happy to do it again. And you're going to wake up like, damn, I got to do this shit again. I mean, so, do you recognize that's a profound idea that you're mentioning, that like this school stands for that idea, that there are certain things that will contribute to your career, mm-hmm. and there are certain things that will contribute to the meaning in your life, and that they're not the same but a lot of people see them as the same. So that's why no matter what subject you decide to study here, you have to take two philosophies and you have to take two theologies. You have to study Catholic ideas about Jesus and um, interpretation about the scriptures, and you have to study Greek philosophy and medieval philosophy and modern philosophy. I got a question for you. Yeah, sure. How has that changed your outlook on um, whether it's Catholicism or, or religion in general? Yeah, man. Good question. I've been so when I started here as a freshman, it became clear to me that the search for the truth is something very special, and that the the truth is not something that you can just get to. Certainly not in a year. Certainly <laughs> not in four years. And like probably not your whole life. But it's the pursuit of the truth that's what's very special. And in pursuit, I, I think I did find the truth. I do think that. I strongly believe that Jesus Christ is the truth. He says that I am the truth, uh, the way and the life, and maybe in a different order. Um, And I think that there's something so true about Jesus and so real and important. 
Um, and I, I think that he would encourage you to con- search for the truth in all different avenues of your life. Like the Greek philosophers, I really look up to them as well. They ask the hard questions that people didn't want to ask. Like, why are we here? Like, we are here. Why the fuck are we here? What's going on? And what do we do with the time that we have? Right? Because it, it can seem meaningless. Um, that's another thing that I think, um, I, I do think Jesus came and then he explained that our life is in- intrinsically meaningful. And I think that, like what we were talking about earlier with dopamine releases, I think that's proof of God. I think that's proof that there's a creator with intent, with intent of good, right? It's, I found that it's, in my life, it's always been harder to do the good and right thing over the the evil and wrong thing. Um, and you might say, well, how do you know it's right and good? And it's like, I can't even say I know when it was right and good. But there were things, there were moments when I wanted to get angry, for example, at someone. I really wanted to get pissed, and I didn't. And it it paid off. Like, it just paid off. And uh, there's something, Jesus came and he said, uh, many say an eye for an eye, right? But he says, uh, if you get hit on one cheek, turn the other. Like, that is a... It's kind of badass. It's badass. I like that. Right? And that's what, I mean, that's something Gandhi stood for, right? These aren't, like, ideas only accepted in Western culture as well. Yeah. That, so... What was the question again? <laughs> what did uh, your outlook, right? Time, oh, time and assumption really do to 100%. change your perspective on on religion? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first, I've developed a profound love for all religious faiths because they all seem oriented towards the truth. They all seem like they're they care about life um, and they're interested in and in searching for the truth. And that we have these ideas about different religions, um, like for example, Islam. I look at Islam as some like violent religion when I was younger, right? And that's not necessarily the case. Now there are groups that embrace a violent attitude, right? They interpret their scriptures in a way that suggests there's room for violence. Now some Islamic thinkers may disagree with me, but like Muhammad did wage very uh, violent wars to conquer land and to spread his his faith. Now, dude, there are crazy stories about his army. Like they were at crazy odds and they won some insane battles I don't have them off. The, I don't know the details Sorry. I learned about them crazy and um, so, some would say that there's no like you can't force people to worship any religion that that's a fundamental axiom of religion and I think that's true and I think that a lot of the Islamic community would say that's true you shouldn't do that um, but I did realize that I had these ideas about uh, Islam Judaism uh, Christianity and specifically the branch of Christianity Catholicism that like I thought for me to get anything out of religion I had to attach myself to one as if I would with my nationality so like I'm American right I have to be Catholic just like I'm American but that's not at all what you have to do it's not at all um, Some someone on social media I saw the other day said that I don't follow any religion why would I follow religion look at what religion has done to the world I follow Jesus and then um, someone said, well, that's one man. Why would you follow one man? And it's like, well, he's not one man, though. He's Lord. And I think that that's true. I think that uh, as an individual, like, you have to be... Here's the thing. People put themselves in this box, this Catholic box or this whatever, whatever religion it may be. And it's like they have to defend it as, as the only one that's good. And I think that's fundamentally wrong. So I think what this school taught me is that um, I didn't need to be Catholic and this is a Catholic school, right? But I didn't need to be Catholic, and I needed to love every every single person in the world, number number two. And um, 
that there's something very special about controlling your immediate inclinations, your lusts, your hate, and that it's very hard to do, but it's very worthwhile. Damn straight, man. Yeah. Damn straight. That was beautiful. I like that. Thank you, Josh. And I'm, I'm not a religious man. You know, I grew up, I grew up Jewish, but I didn't go to synagogue. Like on some days, you know, like the the holidays, I went. My on my mom's side, my grandmother was Catholic, so I went to church as well. And I never, I never really downloaded a lot of the beliefs. I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of beautiful lessons. You know, to love everyone, that's that's a hard thing, man. And yeah, to get punched impossible. in the face and be like, hey, man, I'm not about this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right, right. Whether it's your friend, because, like, I feel like a lot of the times it's like the fights that happen between people, it's because of your relationship so strong that what someone says, it hurts you so much. Right. right. And so to be able to turn your other cheek and be like, hey, man, stay calm. I'm all right, dude. That's a beautiful thing. To be able to not get angry over things that happen, to be able to look through the lens of clarity and calmness. Yeah. That's something that's that's fucking hard, man. Like through my own experience, I've done both. You know, I've gotten very angry, and I've you know been calm and be able to like think about the situation at hand and try to deal with it accordingly. Yeah. And a lot of the times, being able to look with a clear mind and be like, all right, what's actually going on here? You know, is my emotion is this truly what I'm feeling? Is this just is this a reaction? You know, there's a difference between a response and a reaction. Right. You know, a reaction is that you're immediate, like, oh, I got punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to freaking deck you, bro. Sure, and sure, the response yeah. is like, all right, well, this is my best friend that just punched me in the face. Right, it's like, he's pissed off over something that I can't really, I don't know right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he's pissed. I see the outside thing. I see whatever that, you know, he's getting pissed over on the outside, but I don't know what that actually relates to on the inside. Right. I don't know what's going on. Even though I'm very close with him, I don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know what he's relating this exact situation to, to maybe a past trauma. Yeah. You know, me getting punched in the face, like, I can take it, man. It's all right. I'm not going to fucking ruin what we got over some stupid shit. Yeah, and I think there's a... It's interesting, though, because someone listening to this who's thoughtful might say, well, if we have to turn the other cheek every time, it's like, how can we stand up for ourselves? It's not every time. And it's... Well, yeah, I think it's not... I think that there's something about... Yeah, there's a balance, but there's also, like... You know, if there's a dangerous scenario, then you have to act accordingly, right? And you you can't just like if someone's in danger and you can help them, and they can't help themselves, you might have to step in and and be violent to a certain degree. Now, I'm not sure what what Jesus would say about those scenarios. I think he'd say step in and stop the violence as soon as possible. In my mind, it's about you know what situation is appropriate for violence. Mm. And I don't know if we were talking about this when this thing was rolling. Yeah, we kind of went from the start yeah, we're back at violence. Yeah, but violence. There's certain times where violence is acceptable, and there's certain times where violence is unacceptable, and that's where we have to decipher. You know, right, we're and not many gonna, more times where it's unacceptable. We're not. We're, yeah, there's a lot of times. You know, like I guess it depends on your life, like what life you lead, where you grew up, what's your environment looking like. Mm. These days, I think like in the parts that we're from, most of the United States, um, besides maybe select areas, I think in general, it's good to keep a a calm mind, you know, like a lot of situations on the outside, it might seem like, all right, well, violence is my only way here. Or like violence is the best way. A lot of the times it ain't right. You know, a lot of times it's either our ego getting up and being like, all right, well, this dude's going to talk to me like that. Do we really need to throw a punch or or beat someone up to to understand that? And there's something about enduring that anger instead of getting it out. It's like you have to endure it. You have to endure it with your mind and your body. 
um, instead of just, oh, I'm pissed, I throw a punch, you know what I mean? That's a fight alone, to fight your own subconscious or your own consciousness. Right. You know, it, I heard this really interesting thing where it's... But it's a necessary fight, you'd say, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. You can't you can't pick your thoughts that pop up in your head, right? And I don't know Very the full... The full um, it's basically, I heard this from, from Sam Harris's book. Sam Harris. G, is a, yeah, he's a G. He's, he's a dope dude, philosopher. Dope dude. Um, neuroscientist. Super cool guy. Yep. And he fundamentally believes that there is no free will. And part of his... Very interesting. Yeah. So I, I like... Very I don't. I don't know if I have like... A, I'm more of in the middle. I think like there's some parts we can decide and there's some parts like... No, we, we don't decide what's the next thought. Like when, when you ask me a question, you're like, what what is this? Whatever the question is. What automatically pops into my head, I can't control that. That just kind of comes. But there might be a couple of things that pop in my head. And it's like a multiple choice question. So I think that's what we're kind of dealing with in life. You know, someone punches me in the face. I can either A, punch that fool right back in the mm-hmm. face, break his jaw, whatever it is. B, walk away, run away. Hmm. Or C, you know, think of whatever other scenario I can do. Talk right, to him, right, right. try to try to cool the situation down. Those will automatically pop in my head. Yeah. yeah. I can pick one. That suggests, if you can pick, that suggests free will is that's, certainly that's in a re- That's a response instead of reaction. And that's a exercise of your free will. I would say so. Yeah. You know, I would need yeah. to like dive deeper into like more of his explanation, right. you know, against free will. And I think just like, you know, that question right there is free will a, a real thing. Just like the question of religion. We need to attack that's everything from an open mind. And what we really need to do as a person, for me, as a person that isn't necessarily religious, but I'm more... I think there's there's lessons that we should live by. And mm-hmm. I don't know, some people might say, well, like, who has the moral high ground when you say you have ethics? If you can't relate to a higher power, then how can you say you as an individual can establish your ethics and them have mm-hmm. any kind of um, strength to them if there's no, like, moral basis or ground? I think that... I think the moral basis or ground is inside of us. And, like, people who say that I don't know. I think that they are wrong because like you don't in the Bible, it says that God will judge you based on what you can know about him. So like some people say, well, the religion doesn't make sense because you could be a great person, an amazing person and never see scripture, never read, never get to scripture because you never have the book. And it says in like, I think it's uh, I think it's Hebrews 11. This is met some, this is mentioned. And um, I think Paul talks about it in his letter to the Romans. I don't know what chapter, um, but he says like, God will judge you based on what you know, what you can know about him, right? Because Christianity is is uh, based on the idea that the goal is to have a relationship with God, to develop this knowledge of God, right? That goes to my idea about this pursuit of the truth. And that's why I'm so, um, so faithful in, the, in that idea, because I think those things, I think Greek philosophy uh, totally fits into Christian theology. Um, I want to tell you another. Or did I cut you off? Did, were you continuing with something? I was thinking, okay. and I kind of lost my train of thought. Yeah, no, so fair enough. Another thing, when we talk about ideas the, this deep, it's so easy, it's so hard to talk about them. Indeed. Because like they're so abstract. Um, it's a beautiful and I'm just, thing. Man. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, man. To to be able to do it and for to talk to someone who's open. Thank you for being open about it, because like these are the questions I want to talk about yeah. all the time. I got another yeah. one right here. So it, to, yeah, to finish what I was what I was thinking. Yeah, about. yeah please. Someone that is religious mm-hmm. should study the other side. You know, what is the say the scientific standpoint of the other side that ah, I see, you know I see. say an atheist might think, and then someone that 
I, I don't know really the definition of an atheist. I don't know if it's like, I can't say whether religion is false or true. I can't. I have no idea. Sure. Right? It could yeah. be it could be true. It could be false. At this point in time right now, I have a certain happiness. I have a certain guidance. I think okay. I think there's a, there's a beautiful energy that's going on in the world. Yeah, there's there's this. I di- think there's no doubt about that. Hundred percent. And take religion out of the equation. Look at your life and ge- uh, just your life and how you make decisions and how we use reason. Right? Like you recognize reason as something that we have. Right? And I think because we have this ability to reason, we fundamentally have free will. Uh, so Sam Harris would probably disagree and shit on me. Like, I would love you. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. But check this out. I now it's it like, out. yeah, the book, The Moral Landscape, it talks a little bit about it. Okay, okay. Um, that's basically, The Moral Landscape is a book, how to take religion out of morals. It's it's morals attacked from a scientific standpoint instead of yeah. like the okay. the grounding of religion. I feel right. like that's, that's a lot of people's okay. um, I think view on why that. religion is real because if there was no religion, there would be no moral ground. Okay, so yeah, so... Fair point. In um, Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, it's like, uh, who's Paul? Is he some kind of saint or something? Oh, he's a goat. No, he's not the goat. I mean, Paul's a G. Paul wrote like the <laughs> some of the craziest letters. Apparently, he said that he was um, riding his horse. He actually like persecuted hundreds of thousands of Christians, early Christians. This is like forty years after Jesus, when everyone's like, he was like, "Yo, this dude you're, was you're like, not Christian enough or something." No, like he that? killed a ton. Of, <laughs> he killed a ton of Christians, oh, shit. and he was very smart very intelligent man he was a Jew and he was on his horse and Jesus came to him and like apparently the, the artwork in Rome shows that he was like knocked off his horse and Jesus told him like why are you why are you persecuting people in my name and then he said that this happened and he said that he has made a grave mistake so he dedicated the rest of his life to the mission of Jesus and he wrote these letters like profound letters that people say are the word of God and um in this letter to the Corinthians, he criticizes people for just following the laws for the sake of the laws. He criticizes uh, Jews for um, not doing, like he was saying, he was talking about circumcision and how these people were getting circumcised and thinking they were above these people who were uncircumcised. But like the uncircumcised people had faith in God. And he said the uncircumcised people who have faith in God are at an advantage because they're doing what's, what's true and good. Hmm. Whereas the people who are just following the laws for the sake of the laws, not for, they thought that there was some like, um, that it was some transactional relationship where if I do this, I do this. Okay. I'll spend eternity with God. And Paul's like, no, that's not what, that's not true. Jesus came and made it very clear that that was not true. And that goes back to my point where you can only act with the knowledge you have. So God will judge you based on the knowledge that you have available to yourself. And that goes, and that sheds light on the idea of like, some people are smarter than others. Like that's just a fact. Some yeah, people it's have what a, you're given. Some people, yeah, right. It's what you're given and how you use it. Beautiful. But I want to like totally um, take religion out of the equation. Just think about your life. Let's go back to weed for a second. Mm-hmm. You used your reason to decide that. <sighs> I'll use my life. I justified using weed in college because I'm in college. I enjoy it. I have fun with my friends. It's a good time, right? Like some of the, some of my greatest memories it feels like as a young adult was like when I'm on adventures with my friends and we have weed like and that's just how shit shook down but it took a level of faith not in the religious sense but a level of faith to say I can justify this all I want I can always use my reason to say it's okay to smoke it's okay to get high like it's okay for this month it's okay for this week it's okay for this year right it's okay for the environment I'm in these are my good friends right we're safe 
Um, I'm not doing any hard drugs, right? You can always rationalize. But I, it took a degree of faith for me to say, this is not for me. This is not what I need to do. That's how we work. What we do anytime we indulge in anything is we rationalize it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. The reason that I'm not right. getting out of bed this morning, the reason I snooze my alarm, is because, man, it's so cozy in here, and oh, I went to bed a little later, maybe I, I didn't have enough sleep, maybe this, maybe that, oh, it's cold outside, oh, like, I can sleep, I don't have to do anything this morning, it's all, we do that. Right, but you see how you, like, even you as not a religious person, you, faith is intertwined into your life because you have faith that when you put the weed down, there will be a greater reward down the line. And like sacrifices, that's how they work, right? We've been sacrificing things for as long as humans existed, they sacrificed things. They figured if I gave up this now, there'd be something greater down the line in the future. Jordan Peterson talks about that, I think in the maybe second chapter of 12 Rules. I don't know what chapter it is, actually. Um, But he says like, people sacrifice, humans have always sacrificed. And that was what I had to do in my life. I had to sacrifice these things that I, I could always rationalize, that I thought were good for me, that I thought were fun, whatever. I had to sacrifice them for something greater. Like, I want There's to be... There's something beautiful yeah. there. There's something beautiful when you put down something that you really enjoy and mm-hmm. look at the other side. Like, what I was able to find when I when I put down certain things that were taking up my time, my attention, like video games, TV, weed, whatever it was, I was able to go on a walk with my dog. And I was walking down, and like, oh, there's a tree right there. I looked at that tree. I got real close. I looked at the bark. Zoom in on a small scale, man. This world is beautiful. I don't care where you are in this world, man. This world is mystical. It is beautiful. In my perspective, you know, for me, I don't have a religion that, that I need to be like, oh, this is this is that. For me, it's positivity. Positivity, mm. living my life, you know, knowing that everything will be all right. Optimism, man. Optimism is my religion. You know, optimism Fire. is a Fire. beautiful fucking thing. Yeah. You know, to be able to look forward and be like, man... Yeah, there are some scenarios in this situation. I could hop on this podcast and say some stupid shit, and maybe I look like a dumbass. Whatever, it doesn't. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, because I'm gonna come here, I'm gonna talk with my boy, and it's gonna be a great time. Right. You know, every any time we talk, it's an amazing conversation. Hundred percent. Right. And these are the things when we approach life, we need to think like that. And I think that's something that religion does teach people that is beautiful. In an age where people are losing their religion, I think that is something we're losing as well. We're losing a source of meaningless, a source of awe, a source right, of right. of Gratitude higher purpose, yeah. right? There mm-hmm. is higher purpose. I know a lot of people that attack uh, this world from pessimism, from the side from the side of a pessimist. And when you do that, and fair I, enough, I feel like like fair enough, dude. I just think like, all right, well, now fundamentally look at your life, how happy you are, like thinking about all the shitty scenarios. I believe that your mind is a factory. Okay, you know, whatever you put into this into the factory, like if you're if you're loading your factory with bullshit, what's going to come out? You're gonna have some bullshit if you're thinking about. Oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go snowboarding, right? And I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna get hurt and all this. Damn it! Like this. Well, that's gonna happen. You know, your mind's gonna make that true. Mm-hmm. It's gonna manifest your destiny. If you're like, yeah. yo, I'm gonna go to college, for example, and I'm gonna take every single opportunity I can get, and I'm gonna build and learn and, and meet beautiful people. And when I pass someone, when I'm walking to class or to the library, I'm gonna say hi, and I'm gonna be nice, and I'm gonna smile, and be like, what's up? Yeah, that's how we create our own destiny. If you're walking to the library and you're like, "Yo, my life sucks, man," <laughs> yeah. like, "God damn it," and you're yeah. and you're frowning, like, and you're you're looking away from the person that's walking down the street, like, that's not gonna happen. You're not gonna make that friend. Mm-hmm. That person's not gonna look at you and be like, "Yo, like, I want to talk to this fool, yeah. man." He's why is he smiling so much, man? Yeah, why is I, he, yeah, yeah. I had a phone call earlier today, and it was with someone I'd never met before. 
Never met. I'm starting a little snowboarding instructing business. Okay. This um, I've been cool. I'm a teacher snowboarding for a while. A little backstory. Um, and I was on a phone call with her today, and for some reason, I, I I imagine I know the reason, but she was like, "You sound like you're always happy." This is the only time that she's ever fucking heard me talk. Right. right. What do you mean I'm always happy? This is one time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But to be able to convey that, right? Like I try to. I'm not always happy, right? There's sometimes sure. where I got some imposter syndrome. And I'm like, yo, maybe, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. Maybe I'm not good enough for this. Or maybe, like, why is this bad thing happening to me? Maybe I, I wasn't the dude I thought I was. But it's it's the practice of coming back. And I think in terms of where, where I get this this beautiful optimism from, where I, where I try to get this happiness from, is with things like exercise, with yoga. Meditation has been beautiful lately, man. I've been you know, blocking off the first like hour and a half of my day just to do things that help me prep for the day. Nice. You know, not only am I getting a beautiful nice. night's sleep, but also when I wake up, I do things I enjoy. First, it's a little cold shower action because it actually kind of sucks. And starting your yeah, day, with, yeah, same, starting same, your day right? with something that kind of sucks, is, I think it's yeah. good. It, it builds some character. But after that, a little yoga action. Feel your body. Stretch out, man. When you're, when you're sitting still for eight hours, man, you're going to be a little tight. You got to stretch that out, okay? Every day you're doing yoga? Yeah. Yeah, I got a little that's morning. Very important. A little morning practice. It's like you know, 30, 45 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour, hour and a half. Depends mm-hmm. how I'm feeling. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you think walk- David Goggins stretches two hours a day for no reason? No. Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. It sounds. I mean, not for no reason. It's no, like, like definitely sounds like he stretched for two hours a day. He's pretty adamant about that. Right, right, right. I mean, my point is like stretching is so important. People overlook it. People mm-hmm. don't stretch. Yeah, no, it's yeah. very important. You want to feel good, man. What's all those muscles going to do if you can't touch your toes? Facts. It's very Facts. important. You want you want fitness that's going to actually do something, mm-hmm. you know, fitness that, that works in your body. You want to be able to it's move crazy. your body correctly. Yeah, I'm blessed because, like, that's the business I work for. That's what my mom's about, bro. My mom's been about these biomechanics and how you can not hurt yourself um, but be strong. Mm-hmm. Like, that a lot of people focus on being strong. They don't care about hurting themselves. And that's so, like, rationally, that's so stupid, right? And then you hurt yourself. I mean, I'm sure you've hurt yourself in the gym before. Yeah, when I was hurt, young, it, it's it stems it stems from a previous injury. Okay. Um, I think my mom's been a yoga instructor my whole life. You know, yeah. I remember being a kid, and I wasn't really just kind of like school when I was thrown into school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like, oh, I'm super psyched about this. It was just a situation I was in, and I wasn't really about it. My mom was like, yo, let me do some yoga with you. I was like, meh. But then when I came to it on my own, just like for some reason. I think I know the reason. I think the reason I kind of attached to to learning and educating myself after high school because no one was telling me to. Yep. I came to it on my own. You know, I read a book and I was like, yo, that was awesome, man. Books are surprisingly efficient at giving you knowledge. Yeah, bro. They'll give it to you right yeah. then and there. And Instead of paying thing. 50 grand a year, you could go to the library and just, like, grind. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it, a, it yeah. gives you... College is, is a beautiful thing if you can... 100%. Community, if you can yeah. make it work, right? Because right. you got a library right there that has all the fucking books. You have 10 copies of each book, yeah, right? You have you've professors that are there to help you. But what happens is if you don't take that opportunity, you just let that opportunity pass, just like that cute girl that you let pass back on the sidewalk yeah. when you walk into the library, yeah, yeah. right? Whoever it is, you're not going to be able to take that. You're not going to be able to learn from that. You're not going to be able to, to, to talk to that professor after class and actually get what the beautiful value of that yeah. 50000 or whatever right. it was, or whatever it is, was, right. right? You're going to go off and do whatever. And that's, I think that's the person that I think shouldn't go to college. The person that, that Dude, isn't there to take advantage of the opportunities. Because there's plenty of people that 
Sounds like seventy percent of college students. Yeah, and sometimes you just got you gotta learn from your actions, you know. Like a lot of my homies, like I can only say, you can I can only say so much, right? You can only like lead a horse to water. You can't allow it to drink. Like it's it's the, the horse's decision to drink the water right. or not. Right. And sometimes you know the horse gets really fucking thirsty, and then it drinks water, you know. But like that's that's the horse's thing, man. The horse is doing that. Mm-hmm. The horse gets thirsty by themselves, and. I've learned some of the most beautiful lessons in my life, you know, from experience, you know. How does pain fit into that? Like, you've learned, you learn a lot from pain. And, oh, yeah. Um, I guess for you, how does that fit in adversity? And yeah. I think pain is a, it's a beautiful thing because pain, it plays a couple different, uh, it plays a couple different sides of the equation. Pain as in going to the gym or running or... I've done a couple extended fasts. Those were, dude, those oh my were God, you told me you did a five-day those, fast. Those were super sick. Um, I heard a seven-day fast decreases your cancer likelihood, like 70%. I wouldn't be surprised. It's very natural to fast. But those things, being able to endure that, being able to endure the cold shower in the morning, mm-hmm. being able to endure jumping in a lake yeah. in the middle of winter, those things, it creates this thing around mental strength. mental strength. And I think at the end of the day, what we really want to cultivate is a strong mind. You know, our body is very important but if we have a strong body but a mind that's weak we're not going to go far man we need to be able to endure mental pain and sometimes physical pain being able to endure that can lead to higher mental pain like being able to endure physical pain then emotional pain we realize that that that's yes it's hard and sometimes it's fucking harder than physical pain but if we can learn to endure the physical pain it helps uh, endure it's that like a stepping stone almost to prepare you for the mental pain yeah. right because the mental pain is what you really have to conquer and it's I think it's to a certain degree harder than physical pain to conquer it's I, different it's, it's different, very right. different I think right. that might depend on the individual I think some people mm. naturally are kin easier to physical pain some people might be like alright we'll hop on the ring and we can box I can get punched in the face yeah, and I'm yeah. alright and then they go home and whatever from their spouse and their interior freak out on Twitter is, just exactly like, yeah. um, it really just depends the makeup and like that probably plays into like how those individuals were raised and things like right, that right I mean that's another reason I'm so like I'm so bought into to Jesus and not any religion really I mean he happens to he created a religion himself um, in my opinion it's like the true religion because it's him but I mean the story if you look at the story which I think is a true story um, I think most people think it's a true story but it is the most tragic story ever like there's no it, it's impossible to make a more tragic story everyone knew he was innocent he was accused for crimes that he didn't do and everyone knew he didn't do them right um, people cr- criminals who were certainly guilty were let go right in in like his face essentially um, he got betrayed by his best friend and then he probably had, you know, one of the most painful deaths you can have. And that, you know, made, like, enduring, that idea of enduring pain, I mean, I'm motivated by that story, right? And that's another reason this thing is, this podcast is called Uniting Narratives. Because I, I think there's nothing more powerful than a story. Nothing. Uh, and to unite them in a, in a beautiful way. I mean, that's what we're doing right now. We're kind of uniting our stories. You brought up weed. I, I brought up my story with weed. And that's a special thing that we just did. Um, but, yeah, I think enduring pain is, is the key to growth. You just said it's a beautiful thing. Um, it, yeah. Sorry, I keep bringing up Jesus. I, think, I can't help no, it. I love, I, I love it. I think that story specifically, <laughs> yeah. I think that story plays out every day, man. 
that pain that that story tells I think people feel that every day in different ways you know there's there's many stories obviously like mm. you know this story being the saddest story like obviously that's a subjective thing yeah yeah, yeah um but Jordan Pearson thinks it's technically he thinks it's technically the, the most tragic and and like I think he used the word tragic which is just funny Possibly, he's so yeah. interesting how he talks he's like technically and then he gives <laughs> you the reasons and he's like I thought about every other one it's, like, it's just funny yeah there's yeah, there's, like, there's a whole shit ton of tragedy man 100% I'm sure yeah. it is. Um, and I guess he embodies like tragedy and that your point that it plays out every other it plays out every day is very interesting very yeah, interesting that's yeah. part of the that's part of the pleasure pain thing man mm. you know to be able to have that pain to be able to go through tragedy it, it's the ups and downs that makes things come clear right you're not yeah. going to be able to be happy if you weren't sad sometime in your life yeah you, you bring up pleasure or pain sorry to cut you off not at all uh john stewart mill has this philosophy it's called utilitarianism i think phil phil Eppen, he's coming on the podcast tomorrow beautiful he used to really be into this philosophy and i didn't know that it was john stewart mill's utilitarianism until i learned about it this year uh, in peru he told me he's like dude i'm just gonna do what is the most uh pleasurable and avoid the most pain Right, and the philosophy is actually, uh, I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's a good philosophy. Very interesting. To only do the pleasurable and to avoid all. Yeah, pain. but he but he breaks it down and he's like, there's higher pleasures and lower pleasures, and that you have to experience both. There's so like, like level, it, levels yeah, of it, it might not just that's be shooting up heroin. Like it might like he he doesn't say you should just be a drug addict, right? Because that's not actually a high pleasure. Because mm -hmm. like, you come down and then like you die. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Um, but his idea is that you do the thing that gives you more pleasure and you avoid the thing that gives you the most pain and that the intention doesn't matter. What matters is the outcome. What do you think about that? Because it seemed like when I was talking to you that uh, you cared a lot about the intention. I personally, I think intention is paramount because we can only do our best, right? That's all we can do, man. So yeah, what do you think about his- uh, That's really mean, interesting. I think level, it I sounds like he, is he taking into account the overall pleasure and the overall pain because when you talk about a heroin addict shooting up heroin, mm -hmm. heroin yeah, yeah. right there's a lot of pleasure i imagine in the immediate but there's a lot of pain thereafter right he would probably say that that's a lower pleasure that's not not actually pleasure. So it's more of like an equation he puts forth it's an equation but here's the thing like i think that there's a problem in his thought because you can't ever evaluate if it if it can't you really never evaluate if it gave you more pain or pain or pleasure it's subjective it's very hard it's i think yeah, i think it might take can, 10 years even <laughs> like yeah i just it, that's all it's a hard topic to be able to decipher for sure because yeah. that equation i think it's interesting for sure mm. but it's funny because when you're talking about pleasure a lot of the times it's immediately pain that you have to endure to get the pleasure down the road for the activities that are truly worth it right right so something that's immediately painful like going to the gym just an example mm -hmm. because that's something I've I've been very interested in most of my life and that's something that's very easy to connect to going to the gym immediately right if you're doing a set and you're going until failure dude that shit fucking hurts that's painful right, but then that's after. painful stuff so I would have to ask this individual or if you know John. would that be <laughs> would that be pleasure or pain right there because yeah. after you get the adaptation of growing muscle right you're not growing muscle in that second you're actually scarring your muscle tissue when you do that mm -hmm. but after the fact when you're recovering your muscle is building so i guess i would have to ask if that's a pleasure or pain because in the long run that muscle will protect your bones it'll protect your your body okay well it. i think it's tricky because going to the gym and getting the benefits 
a precondition for that is that you're going to be committed, that you're going to do it every you day. You have to do it every day. So, so he'd say, look at the individual and say, a lot of individuals aren't going to do that. They're going to go to the gym once a week and they're going to feel pain. And that pain probably will outweigh the pleasure. And like, they'll hate going to the gym. They'll hate the drive. They have to drive a long time. They get mad. They go to the gym. They don't know what to do. They're embarrassed. Right. Um, then they hurt their muscles by tearing them a little bit. And like maybe their feet hurt or something. And then they go home. He'd be like, don't do that. Yeah, don't so do I fundamentally yeah. disagree for sure. Right, because right. I think a I lot think of say don't do that. a lot of the times, like you need to put yourself in a state of pain mm. to get the pleasure down the road. That's actually yeah. worth it. Yeah, and I don't think he'd disagree with that premise, but he'd say there's way more to go into it. Like each individual can only, yeah, I think he has this idea that each individual maybe can only like have certain capabilities. It gets tricky. I mean, Kant completely opposes this guy, and he wrote before him, um, and Kant was like, intentions all that matters. The o- he says, uh, the only thing, uh, I wish I knew the quote, quote exactly. He said, the only thing that is good is uh, your will. The only thing that can be good is your will. I think it's the only thing that matters at first. I think that's what's a shame when people go out of their way to be like, I'm, I'm offended by that. Well, it's because if I'm putting out my best intention, and usually it's when I act, mm-hmm. I act in a way that's in the best for everyone that I love and that is around me and also uh, strangers, right? When yeah. I'm going to act, I'm going to make sure that I'm not hurting anybody around me. I make sure right. I'm putting everyone else in the best position possible as well as myself. If I'm going to, if this action puts me up here and it puts all of my loved okay. ones down here or one loved one down here or even a stranger down here, I'm going to have an issue that's with a, that. That's a good idea. If we all that's raise up a little bit, that's beautiful. That's intention. Right. If I say yeah. something on this podcast wherever the fuck it is right mm-hmm. if I say something and someone takes it a wrong way they're like yo I'm offended by that I'm gonna be like hey I love you like right, right. there's nothing here that's like to hurt you it's not about that man mm-hmm. I'm trying to speak my truth now you speak something okay. say something out of all the things that you know out of your vocabulary and let me know how that made you feel okay. and then maybe we can come to an agreement how like alright well I can understand your thinking and you can understand mine as well right so it sounds like you have good intention Kant would say if you were doing that to impress someone or if you were doing that if you were being kind because you thought it would pay off some like other way down the road he'd say that, that it's not actually good because it seems like your will there is good that's called like sneaky fucker syndrome or something like that yeah. I mean yeah I think that's yeah but there's that's some humans like, bro there's that's, some like evolutionary we're like wired almost to do that by accident and he separates these like uh, he, you just said you should act in that certain way which I thought was really insightful and good he says the camera just stopped hold on it's okay. This, um, okay, this is very important to Kant's thought. He says, act in accordance to that maxim that you can at the same time will it become a universal law. That means that you should act in a way that everyone could act in that way and uh, society would be good. Society would, would function. So like, for example, he says you can't lie. Because if you lied, then that'd become a universal law. That means everyone can lie. And he's like, if everyone lied, we couldn't speak to each other because we wouldn't trust each other ever. So speech wouldn't even exist. Um, it would exist, but it, would, it wouldn't be what it is now. And it, it gets tricky because people are like, dude, what if a murderer comes to your door? And they say, okay, it's recording good. And they say, I'm here to murder fucking Josh. <laughs> What's up? Is he in there? Khan's like, you have to say yes. You say yes, you don't lie. And I totally agree with that. Because, like, yeah, he's in there. What's up? You, like, you're going to kill me to get to him? 
some people would say that's a crazy thought. Like, no, you have to lie. Um, and I weirdly agree with Kant. Like, just my natural inclination is to agree with Kant. Um, so maybe I should think more about it. But no, I guess I got, I got something to say. On please, that. please, sorry. I think yes. I think the truth is a lot of the time the answer. I think it's not like we can't lie. We all have the opportunity to lie. I just think in a lot of situations, no, no, it's, a it's a cop out. It's a cop out to lie. Whether whether you're telling a white lie to make someone feel better. Yeah. I think the the conversation that you have when you're speaking the truth, when you're telling the truth, is the conversation that that relationship or that stranger needs to get on right. with their lives and better their lives. Right. Those hard conversations, especially with those you love and care about are the most important to have. You need to be real with the people around you. That's just, that's a fundamental right. law in my life. Why do we life. struggle with that, do you think? Why do we seriously it's struggle? It's okay. easier to fucking lie. It's easier to be like, hey, Gabe, man, you are you don't need nothing, man. <laughs> you're completely good. You don't need to keep grinding, man. Yeah. You're, you're chilling, Stop, man. This yeah. podcast is exactly good where it's at. You don't need to have nobody on after me, dog. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit, man. You gotta keep it's grinding. Bullshit. I don't care where you're at. Right. And like, us is, like, we're friends. You know, and we owe it to each other as friends to be real with each other. And if I'm fucking up and you're like, Josh, man, I see what you're doing. And like, just from my perspective, I think that you could do this and this would maybe help or stop doing this because I think this is negative in your life. Or think about it this way. Exactly. That's what we need so badly, desperately. And as long as the intention is underlined and I understand like, dude, I'm just trying to help you or you're just trying to help me, mm-hmm. then there's no reason for me to get pissed. Wow. It's just like, all right, man, well, I appreciate you. And then I would say, if I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like, all right, that's kind of bullshit. I'm like, I think I'm doing fine. I would explain like, all right, man, I'm doing this because of that. Mm-hmm. This happened yesterday and it's gonna affect my decision today and that's why I'm doing this. And it's like, wait, bro, you didn't get the whole story. Let me explain some exactly. parts that you don't understand. Shit's nuanced, man. Right. Life is- But people get really mad when you bring up something like, because so, they think they think you're attacking them who they are all right what you do what your job is that shouldn't define who you are you know right, just because right, you're right. going to college yet i think all right that's a little hard one because i think everyone should be defined as students i don't give a fuck if you're a professor i don't care oh beautiful you're a student that's a great idea you know and i think yeah. a lot of times people that are great in one thing it's because they neglect other things all right someone that is the best like michael jordan right He's oh, fucking yeah. unbelievable at basketball. Right, right. Fool's insane, right? He's but Kobe. Yeah. What are the other things in his life that he neglected to become amazing at basketball? Kobe said this, his family. He said he didn't spend time with his family. Precisely. So at there's going to be sacrifices with these things. Mm-hmm. And so I think we owe it to ourselves and our loved ones to be... We, we need to have multiple hats, I like to call it. My cousin, he always said it like this. Yeah, I've heard you say this. I love it's this saying. beautiful. So yeah. having, you want to have different hats, you know? Like right now, I'm putting on my, I'm going to talk about what the fuck I think hat, yeah. right? Whatever cool. the fuck it is. I'm going to go and I'm going to yeah. help my buddy build up north. I'm going to put on my little construction hat. Yeah. When I when I go home yeah, and I'm, I'm doing a little gardening, I'm putting some beets in the ground, right? I'm trying to grow some veggies. Cooking. I'm putting on my gardener Hell cap. Hell yeah, man. That's now, we fire. need to have as many hats as we can. We need as many experiences as we can because that's how we decide what we truly love. You know, my sister, she only had one job, one type of job ever before deciding to go to college. She only was in the childcare industry. It's the only job she ever had. And she went to school, and she went to school for biology, and she realized she didn't enjoy that. So what she did is she went to uh, early childhood development. And she went through college, and, you know, I think she can, you know, she can speak her a bit on how she felt about that. I'm gonna have um, to have her on the podcast. There's, def- man, there's definitely yeah. words to be said, yeah. um, and now she's she's in that career, and she she enjoys parts of it for sure. But there's parts of it she wish that she experienced more, 
Mm. You know, because in her position, she has debt. You know, teaching jobs don't teach amazing or oh, don't, don't pay yeah, amazing. Yeah, she yeah, teaches sure. amazing, but like yeah. that doesn't correlate to pay. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you don't get compensation for how good you're fucking are teaching, which is mm-hmm. you know sad. But what are you gonna do? Um, yeah. And then just this summer, she started working on the farm uh, with me, and so that was the first job she's ever had that wasn't in. That's an, so that's another hat that she's. And so up. exactly, and that I think <clears throat> that right there, I don't care who you are. People need to work a physical labor job at least once in their life. Okay. Right? The construction industry opened my eyes to work ethic. You know, waking up at 4 30, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning, driving an hour or two to work, working eight or 10 hours, and then driving an hour or two back. There's a story right here that I think a lot of people should hear. Um, I got to a job site one morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. Okay. It's out in Orange. I think it's like an hour and a half, hour 45, something like that. And I got there. Construction, the, sorry. Yeah, construction okay, cool. site, yeah. And the the construction manager on the site, there's a dude that, like, he correlates everyone. He gets the excavation team for this. He gets the carpenters for this. He gets whatever, plumbers for that. And he was talking about one of the dudes in the crew. Um, the student name was Dave. And Dave, uh, he was, one, a diesel mechanic, and he was also an operator. And he said one morning the year before, he got to the job site, at five o'clock in the morning, right? Sure, yeah. He's pulling in, early as fuck, cold as shit, right? Middle of the fucking winter. He gets there, he pulls in, and he starts walking around the sites to do a check. And he and he like hears something, so he walks to the excavator. And Dave's under that excavator. He says, Hey, give me a fucking wrench. This is at five in the morning. Right? Dave lives two hours away. So we woke from up at two thirty AM. This motherfucker was up at two. Right to drive to work, to then be under there for probably about thirty minutes before he got there, to get the excavator ready for six thirty when we start working. Right, that's the kind of work I think that people, especially if you're going outside of the norm, if you want to be an entrepreneur or be whatever, maybe don't get up at two o'clock in the morning if it's sacrificing sleep. Right, like sleep right, is, right, right. is sleep more is more, import- yeah. more importante, more right? importante, very much so. But Spanish. like. So. You need to work your fucking balls off, man. For real. Like, this world, you can, you can, the, the easiest way to predict your future, you know what that is? Make it fucking happen. Mm-hmm. Do it. You need to, you need to build the blocks today to make that thing happen down the road. And those blocks need to be foundational. Like, they need to be strong. You can't build them on weed. You can't build them on, uh, like, oh, like, I think I'm going to build my body. Like, you've said this to me. You can't build your fitness goals based on the fact that. You want to prove someone wrong. It's not a sustainable No, that's because, like, at least when it, when it comes to fitness, say you want to lose some weight. Say I want to lose, you know, 20 pounds, 10 mm-hmm. pounds. Every single day, you're going to look in that fridge and be like, dude, damn. There's some, <laughs> some, some peanut butter in that fridge, bro. Peanut butter is good. Peanut butter tastes good. You know yeah. what's good with peanut butter? Chocolate chips, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. One thing to the next. And you cannot, you cannot have something that's not at your core because... If you don't have a have something that is fundamentally leashed, cabled to your goals mm-hmm. from your soul, bro, that peanut butter is going to take you. It's going to take you it's by storm. You. Or, yeah. you know, you're going to take that peanut butter by storm. It's <laughs> really going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so you need something where it's like, you know, I'm not showing my ex-girlfriend that I'm better now and whatever. I want to prove her wrong. I got to prove it to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do when no one's looking at you? Mm. You know, you're in your own room. The doors are locked. No one's looking at you. What do you choose? You choose right or wrong. You choose easy or hard. And that's the questions that we fight with every single day. 
And that's what mental strength is about. Right. You know, this is yeah. something that I think religion does very well with because, you know, some people will be like, well, God's looking at me. But I think even that, man, if you cannot have that even looking at you, you and you're just like, dude, right. fucking no one's looking at right. me. Right, no one's looking. No one's looking at me. In in my concept, like, I think, like, karma's a thing and, like, mm-hmm. you know, yin and yang. There's, there's always going to be two sides and balance is very important. But, like, I don't have, like, a Jesus looking at me or a God. I'm doing things because I think they're right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, yeah. I, I mean, just, me too. Like, I think that, yeah, it's interesting. Cause I never really think about it like that. Um, like Jesus looking at me or, or watching me. I, I kind of think that the system is set up where, like I said earlier, it's much harder to do the right thing than, than the wrong thing. I think. Right. So, I mean, yeah, doing, doing the right thing when no one's watching, I mean that's that's how you. Touch I think a, a, sin, a synonym is yeah. easy and hard. You okay. know, right and wrong, right easy and hard. So you think that? I have friends I think, that think they're not synonyms. Think depends on the situation, right? I sure, think a sure. lot of the times, like Sorry. the right thing, it depends on one your goals, what the situation is. Like, say you're trying to lose weight again for an easy example. Right. The right thing if you're trying to lose weight is to do the hard thing. Mm. Go to the gym every day, eat good, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's almost like the easy thing is the wrong way you know and a lot of times like you know that's kind of how we're drawn to easy things because they're easy and they give us the fucking pleasure immediately it's the fastest track to that right and that's if you're gonna grow if, if your goal is to grow a lot of the times you need to go through that shit i feel like a lot of people sometimes they're like they live in regret and they're like oh i wish i did that back in the day i wish i never made that decision well guess what you wouldn't have the lessons you have today if you didn't fuck up back then. Right. You know, you can't right. go back in time and change what you did. You can't say something different during that conversation or that fight. You can't do that. Guess what? Because if you did, you wouldn't be the person you are today. Mm. You wouldn't have learned that lesson. So you would need to have another fuck up down the road from that, and then you would have learned, and then beyond that, you could change. Mm. So what, what is fundamentally important is now. That's it. You know, you can't control yesterday. You can't control tomorrow. But the you past can is right now. But the past is also fundamentally important in the sense that you just said, where we yeah, have the ability to reflect. Yeah, yeah, right. Beautiful it. thing. Uh, there's can't this, change it. Uh, there's this idea. I said this to my friends the other day, and they were like, "Loki, blown away. It was really cool." Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it's a Greek idea. Oh, this stopped again. What the? So yeah, there's this sick idea that I don't know who came up with it. I need to look. I need to figure out who came up with it. I know that uh, Karl Marx uses it. Like, he used it to justify communism. He thought he could see kind of what was coming next. Um, <clears throat> sort of. But he thought by analyzing the past, you could see what was coming next. That's not really what I'm talking about. But um, a lot of people think you walk into the future. That, like, you can see the... Uh, you can kind of see... Not see the future, right? But it's like when you're walking, it's like this is a trajectory. It's like when you're moving forward in your life, it's like you're moving forward, Right. But and it was the Greeks I think that came up with it where they said you're not moving forward in your life you're moving backwards doesn't mean time is obviously happening <laughs> but you're not walking forward you're walking backwards as the analogy right so you can as you as you walk backwards you can't see what's coming behind you but you can see much more clearly the things that have already happened that's a special idea that you just shed good light on that's gorgeous man right I like that a lot yeah that's that's yeah. fucking beautiful that's a perfect analogy man very cool perfect because people always look back and they're like damn man i should have sold those stocks or shit man i should have done this then 
it's a terrible way to live, man. It's yeah. terrible because then instead of taking advantage of the opportunity you got right now, you're looking back and you, you don't even see the opportunity. Thing flies right in front of your face. I've had that happen to me so many times, man. Just be okay with it. Be okay with fucking up because that's the best way to learn. Right. Yeah. Gotta fuck up. Yeah, life. yeah. And it means that you're aware that like you care about your life and if you have that feeling that you fucked up, you genuinely have this ability to never do that fuck up again. And being disciplined to never do that fuck up again will make you a special person. Uh, like, yeah, this is reflected in something that's not a religion, stoic philosophy. It's like, you're going to have these feelings to do these certain things. There's a few different ways to look at stoicism, but like in the ancient sense, um, there's a few ways to look at different things and shit. Sean, what's up? Okay, word, you want to just hang out in the lobby for like a few a minute? I'll be down there. I bet. Peace. This kid's here. <laughs> um, good, baby. No, but the... Where was that? Ancient Greece? Some shit? Stoicism. Oh, yeah, stoicism. So, like, recognize the emotions arise, but just control how you respond to them and be disciplined in how you respond to them. And um, Dr. Howland, that woman, she explained that, like, it's really hard to be disciplined if you have these really shitty habits. It's really hard to make good decisions when, you're, when you don't have a routine when you don't have um, this capacity to make the good decisions because you're plagued by these like dopamine releases, uh, these shitty habits. So, yeah, man. It starts with right now. Right. We talk about the shitty habits. The shitty habits are not being disciplined. Mm. You know, and it's really easy to get overwhelmed about, fuck, man, I got to, tomorrow I got to get up at this time and then right after I got to do this and then I got to do that. Mm -hmm. Take it easy. Right now you are where you are. Right now I'm talking to you. I'm not going to be worried about the drive home. Yeah. I can't do that to myself. You know, if I'm worried about the drive home, then guess what? On the drive home, I'm going to be worried about getting home. Facts. And when I get home, I'm going to be worried about the next thing. I yeah, do. yeah. And it's then like, next, it's a freaking, it's constant, like man. be where you're at. Exactly. Right? Take a work, second, breathe, mm -hmm. and just, dude, smell the flowers, man. Yeah, right. That's, because it will go by very fast. This life, bro, I'm already 20 years old. Dude. I'm 20 years old. That's crazy. Bro. And I remember when I was looking up to my mom physically, right? Like, physically. I was a little short squat. And mm -hmm. I look up and be like, dude, one day I'm gonna be as tall as my mama. One yeah. day I'm gonna look down. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna have to physically turn my head down to look Damn, at my mother bro. because I'm gonna be taller than her. And I remember that. Yeah. And you know, now I'm definitely taller than my mama. Like, <laughs> it comes right. and goes very quickly. Right. I got you. Um, beautiful thing, man. Uh, you know, I'm gonna actually read this poem. I'm happy that just fell because I can read this poem. <clears throat> it's called the Dash, and this is how we'll end it. You just said that life can go by, <clears throat> excuse me, so quickly. This poem is so fire. It's by Linda Ellis. The Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the he referred to the dates on the tomb spot. Tomb I'm going to restart because I just fucked it up three times. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tomb spot tombstone. Why can I say that word? From the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what little, what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remember that this special dash might only last a while 
So when your eulogy is being read, with your life, life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you lived your dash? That's a poem. Gorgeous. Gorgeous poem, man. Peace and love, baby. Peace and love, dude. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was fire, dude. That was amazing. Yeah. Love you, Thanks buddy. for having that me That was on, great. Dude. Yeah.